morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing? Everybody doing well? Good to see you here this morning. What a crowd we have here today. That's exciting. Uh, I tell you, we were talking earlier before the service just how God is doing some incredible things in the midst of this series, and it's just good to see you here again this morning. I'm real excited about the message today. We, we're continuing in the series called Stronger. It's a four-week series, and today is the third week, and, uh, and I'll tell you, our, our prayer throughout this series has been one in which we are praying that our relationships would grow stronger, that our marriages would grow stronger, our families would grow stronger, and ultimately our church would grow stronger. And so we've been praying and asking God to just really move in, in mighty ways. And, and I'll tell you, it's been real encouraging as a staff just to hear from so many people about how God's using this series and the Word of God to, to really transform lives. And so I couldn't be more excited than, than I am uh, concerning this series. It's been, a, it's been a good one for me. And uh, today I'm excited that we're making a, a bit of a shift from from talking about marriage like we have been for the last couple of weeks and sliding into really talking about family today. And so very excited about that. Let me just say this too, that because today we're, we're talking about family tonight, uh, or I should say really this afternoon, at, from 3 to about 7, we're going to have what we call uh, the Cross Point Church Family Fun Day. And we're doing it down in Quitman, uh, just south of Quitman, at Terrachula Plantation. I want to invite all of you to come out. It's going to be a great time of fellowship. Bring your best covered dish. I tell you, I'm judging this year, so uh, I'm real excited about that. Uh, you'll find me over there at the table uh, judging all your meals and stuff and uh, just making sure you did a great job at that. So anyway, just hope you'll come out. We're going to have a lot of fun, though. We're going to have a lot of things for kids to do. There's going to be horse rides and pony rides and things like that, hay rides and uh, there's going to be some ponds. If you like fishing, bring your pole and uh, take, your, take your children fishing. So it's going to be a great time, and I hope you all come out be a part. If you need in, uh, instructions, uh, you should have seen something laying in your seat uh, this morning when you walked in. Uh, the instructions to how to get there, or the directions, I should say, are, are on the little second piece of this little three-part little thing here, thingamajigger that, that Janetta made up. The first part is really a, a reminder of what Spence mentioned earlier, the renewed dinner that we're going to have next Sunday night. And then Janetta took it upon herself to post a picture of me and Linnell from back in the 80s when we got married. And uh, I tell you, uh, I, I, I saw her out there between services still talking, and I walked up to her and I said, Janetta, did I not make it clear you're fired? What are you still, what are you still doing here? You know, she said, telling everybody bye. So... Anyway, I give her that. She's, uh, she's got to clean her office out today. But anyway, that, that's what's going on in the life of Cross Point Church. And, and I hope that you'll come out and be a part. It's going to be a great time. Uh, you don't have to be married and have children to come out to Family Fun Day. It's going to be a great time to connect with other people and stuff. And uh, I hope you'll be there tonight. So, um, but I'm excited about the message today as we dive in here. And uh, so let's pray and ask God to just bless this time together as we look into his word. Pray with me if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your presence in our life each and every day, God, as we seek to follow you and to live for you and to glorify you in your name. Father, we are thankful for life change. We're thankful for changed hearts. God, we're thankful that you can use a series like this as we dive into your word to, to speak clearly into our life. And Lord, as a result, we see, Lord, your goodness and your greatness 
God, we experience your grace in our life, and Lord, we are changed forever by it. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's gathered in this room, and Lord, uh, the reality that you are doing great things in this place. Lord, I thank you for every child that's meeting in every room all around us. And Father, just the, the great work that you have going here, Father, we, we couldn't be more thrilled. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we just honor you today through our songs, our prayers, our giving, and even, Lord, as we dive into your word together. Lord, we love you and we hope to honor you today. Lord, please help us to place aside every distraction that we may have. God, help us to focus and have ears to hear that, God, we may clearly hear from you this morning as we look into your word. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's an old saying that most of us have heard all of our life, and it's called hindsight is 2020. How many of you believe that one? Amen? I tell you, it's, it's so much easier to look back and to know something about ourselves than it is to look forward and to try to guess, isn't it? We can look back at life experiences and we can come to an understanding of, uh, of all the things that we've learned along the way. Uh, but it's really a little bit more complicated to look ahead and try to figure out where we're going to be in years to come. You know, it, when I was in high school, if you would have asked me, uh, David, uh, do you do you, would you say that your family is a, a gospel-centered family or a Christ-centered family? First of all, you'd had to explain it to me because I really wouldn't have understood, but but maybe even after you started sort of explaining that to me, I probably would have said yes based off of two things. One, at dinner every night we prayed for the meal. And two, occasionally we went to church. And so I would have based my entire Christianity off of those two things. And I would have probably thought or probably declared or proclaimed that we were a gospel-centered family. When Linnell and I got married, we, we were started having children and we... We hope to take that to a different level. We hope to take it to the next step. And because we were beginning to realize that there was more to being a follower of Christ than just those few things. And we were both raised with that sort of mentality. And so we did things to try to, to, try to make sure that we had a gospel-centered family. If we even, even back then even knew what it was. We did things like we, we would go to church more occasionally. We would go more often to church. We even started going to Sunday school and got our children plugged into Sunday school and we, we started doing things like that. We, we started telling our children about Jesus. And, and, and so for us, as we were doing these things, we, we, we would have probably said that yes, we're a gospel-centered family. And I believe our heart was to follow Jesus. But knowing what I know today about what it means to be a gospel-centered family... I realized that we probably still back then had a lot of work to do. We had a lot to, 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 to understand about what it meant to be a, a family that was centered around the gospel and, and true followers of Christ Jesus. That was probably revealed best on our Sunday morning drives to church. I remember having small children and our daily routine as we would prepare to go to church on a Sunday morning. For me, it was really easy. I would jump in the shower. I would shower. I would shave. I would get out. I'd put on my suit. I'm ready. We had two small girls, and my excuse for not helping was basically this. I don't know anything about dresses or bows, okay? So you're on your own. 
And so that sort of became what Linnell would do. Her routine was not only getting herself ready, but trying to get the kids ready. And if I ever brought up this, if I ever said, that's your job, boy, I got the reaction I deserved, if you can imagine. It was not just her job, it was our job, but that was my excuse. And so, you know, she was busy trying to get everything done. And then there was the drive to church. You know, what, you know about the drive to church? Any, any, any families we have here today that have small children, you know what I'm talking about. You see, the drive to church is just, it's, it, it really can be best described like this, pure worship, right? <laughs> not on your life. The drive to church is when you realize that one of your daughters has syrup all over her dress, right? The drive to church is when you realize that the other daughter has a marker and she's writing on her dress. The drive to church is when your wife realizes in her desperation to get all the kids ready because you're just sitting in there watching TV while, while she's doing all this work, she forgot her earrings. And so now she's upset about things, right? And so what happened in this drive to church is, is it, got, it got worse and worse. And where my day started out really good it was starting to get very frustrating and there was anger and there was, there, was, there was fussing that was beginning to take place until finally you were just like, well, you kids, just stop it. And, and, and you finally pulled up in the parking lot and you snatched them out of the car. You're going into church. You're going to church right now with me. And you'd walk in and then, then this always happened. You see the first greeter? Good morning. How's your day? <laughs> you have days like that as a family? Going well, you... You know, it, you know all the right things to say. How's things going? Oh, perfect. You know, got a, little, got a little syrup on the dress, but those things will wash out. You know, the marker, we'll probably have to throw that one away as a permanent marker. But, I mean, you know, it's just funny how we just look at life as being, you know, the, the do's and don'ts, the things that we must do to really be a gospel-centered family. You know, one of the things I've realized over the years is that we, we were really back then, and that was a long time ago, we were, we were still missing the mark. And even though our heart's desire was to follow Jesus and to be what God wanted us to be as a family, we still didn't quite understand it. And what I love about the passage we're going to look at today is that it teaches us a lot about what it means to be a, a gospel-centered family. It's certainly not all of what we need to study. I mean, this isn't the secret to the... To, to all the questions you have. I mean, this is the beginning place. Obviously, you need to, you know, study the Scripture for yourself. You need to explore what it means to be a family. And, but, but today, we get great insight, at least a good beginning point for us to understand what it means to be a Christ-centered, gospel-centered family. And so I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. And this is a remarkable passage of Scripture. You know, obviously, and, and, and most honestly, we, we, we typically look at this passage when, when we're looking at specific roles. We'll look at this. We, we may even have showed this passage to our children before. We may look at it as, as dads trying to figure out what our responsibility is in a gospel-centered family. But we, we learn a lot from this passage. And I think it's really interesting that we have an opportunity today to go through it together. So turn with me, if you will, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. The Word of God, it says this, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. First service, I saw elbows fly, you know. 
Obey your parents. Amen. You know, dads, we have yours coming next. But it starts off and it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It says, honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment, with a promise. That it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, as you might can imagine, this passage offers us some very specific instructions for the different elements of a family. It starts off with the children. And it says, children, obey your, obey your parents, for this is right in the Lord. And so we see one of the, one of the first commandments or, 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 or issues of instruction that is presented to us in the Word of God as, as children to our parents is, is to obey them. And then he goes on to say to honor them, honor our father, honor our mother, for this is what is right. We see that there's an emphasis placed on mother and father, and so the, the message is also speaking of the reality that as parents, we are called to raise our children. But then there's a greater emphasis placed on the father as being the spiritual leader of the family when we begin to see his role being played out and we, we see that, that we have some very directed instruction to us to lead the way in discipleship. And so we see instruction for the family. And that's what I love about this passage. This, this passage is, is not so much just about specific roles to us as individual elements of the family unit, but rather it's addressing the needs or the, the responsibility of a family as a whole. And I love that. I love that we, that we see this here in this passage. It's, it's talking about the, the family learning these truths together and centering on what it means to be a family all living together for the Lord. Pastor Gabe and, and Pastor Brian last week, they, they did a very good job of, of, of really explaining the roles between a husband and the wife and each how they have different and separate roles that they bring into a marriage. But at the same time, they, they also presented that if, if one is not fulfilling their role, it's going to be really hard for the other to fulfill theirs. In other words, if the, if the husband is not loving his wife like Christ loved the church, which is the emphasis given to the husband, then the wife is probably not going to respect her husband very well. And if the wife is not respecting her husband, then it's going to be really hard for the husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And so as, as Pastor Gabe and, and Pastor Brian both presented, it's very important that both of them are working on their specific roles for the marriage to be what the marriage is supposed to be as the way God designed it. Well, in the same way, we see this passage. And we see many different roles that are being explained. We see the roles for the children, for the parents, for the father. And we see these roles. But, but the reality is all of them are supposed to be functioning together. And we are to be living out our life together. And parents today, this is a very important message for us. As parents today, I know my parents, have, I mean, excuse me, my my children have, have moved away, they're re, they're, they've both married, and, and one has a child. And so I look at this passage, and I think about my responsibilities as a grandfather now. But if you're here today with your children, you know, obviously you're in a different station of life. And maybe today you're here today and you're single. Maybe you have no thoughts right now of marriage. But what an opportunity 
to, through this series, understand what a good biblical marriage is supposed to look like and then also what a good biblical family is to look like. I was talking to a couple this morning after the first service. They've been married for five months, and they were excited. They signed up for the Renew Banquet, and, and, and they, were, they were so excited because they got to renew their vows. I said, well, wow, five months. Has it been that bad? They said, no, it's been great, but we're just excited about saying them all over again. And I love that because they desire to commit to God to be everything that they are called to be as husband and wife and to glorify God in their marriage. And so I'm so excited that they're excited about that. But we, no matter what station of life, we need to understand the responsibilities we have to glorify God through our relationships, through our marriage, and even in our families. Whether we have children or not is really irrelevant right now because the day could come when we do. Or maybe we'll be entrusted to someone else's through adoption. Or maybe we will one day be grandparents, whatever. And so we want to look at this and we want to understand the challenges that we face as, as parents parenting to children. I love what John Piper says. He says this. He says, the great challenge for parents is to give their children a vision of God's triumph in the world and to instill in them the thrilling hope of fighting on the side of truth and righteousness and joy and victory. So John Piper, he says this, he says, man, parents, our responsibility is to point to the reality that we are victorious in Christ Jesus, to point to the reality that Jesus is the hope for us as individual followers of Christ, but also for our marriages and our families. To point to Jesus, this is the greatest challenges that people face today. Raising children is not easy. There come so many different responsibilities with raising children. Putting a roof over their head, providing their needs, and those are just the beginnings. You know, throwing the ball, spending time with them. But one of the greatest things that we must be aware of is the reality that in all of this we are called to bring glory to God. Here's what we must know. Here's what we must absolutely know as we get ready to look at this passage. Is that our children are not to be the highest value to us. God is. Let me just say that again. Our children, as much as we love them, they are not to be the highest value to us. God is. We were created to bring glory to Him. We were created in our marriages to bring glory to Him through marriage. We are created in our family to bring glory to Him. Everything must begin with God. And so here we see this passage as it teaches us something, some very practical truths, some very practical objectives, if you will, of raising children. And I want to give you these. These are what's spelled out here in the text. The first one is this. If we're going to raise our children the way God intends for us to raise our children, we must teach our children to obey. We must teach our children to obey. Look at this with me, if you will. In this passage here, it says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
And so it begins, this text begins by teaching the children to obey their parents. But if we skip down to verse 4, it's, we see where the father is to instruct the children to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. How are they going to understand that God desires obedience for them, that God desires them to be obedient even to their parents if the father and the mother are not instructing them in this way? And so one of the things that we see here that is a, is a must for us as we raise our children is to teach the children to obey. Being obedient, you see, is one of the core foundational principles in our Christianity. The Bible is very clear of a, a follower of Christ, a disciple's responsibility to be obedient to God. If we go back to the Old Testament, places like Isaiah 1, 19, we see these verses. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. This is God instructing his people of the necessary need to be obedient to him. We continue reading all through scripture. We see obedience being played out all over the place. We, we see where uh, when, when, when they were told to stop preaching that Peter and the uh, other apostles, they answered, they said, we must obey God rather than man. You see, the, Peter and the other apostles believed so much in obeying God that when their life was at stake, their answer to the people who wanted to take their life was, listen, I know the truth about who Christ is. And you may be telling me to stop preaching, but the reality is I must obey what God has called me to do. And what God has called me to do is to preach the word of God. And so do with me what you must, but I am going to be obedient to God. And so even Peter and the other apostles were very obedient in their willingness to follow Christ and to, to go where it is that he leads them to go. 1 John 5, 3 says this, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. And in our text that we're looking at today, we read, children, obey your parents. And this is critical in the Lord. You see, when you obey your parents as children, you are obeying the responsibility that truth that God has presented to you to be obedient. And so obeying parents, and this is what is, is so important, because I look at this, and obedience is something that we must instill on our children, but I think oftentimes as parents, we, we, we really don't understand why obedience is so important. Obedience is hugely important, because obedience or obeying your parents is, is the means by which God uses to teach children obedience to himself. You see, parents become the catalyst to children learning obedience to God. And so here we see that the word of God is instructing children to obey their parents. The second thing that we must do that this text points out to us is we must teach our children to respect. You see, the passage starts off, not only are we to obey our parents as children, but it says here also, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And so here we see the instruction to honor your father and mother. And this word is one that is very closely associated with this idea of respecting them. You see, as children growing up, and we have this 
We have this remarkable ability to think that we're much smarter than our parents, don't we? How many amens can I get out there, parents? <laughs> it's just one of those things that as children we grow up. I, I know as, as, you know, as, as, a, as an 18-year-old, when I was growing up, there was no doubt in my mind I was smarter than both of my parents put together. They just didn't make sense. No, son, you can't do this. Well, that doesn't make sense. Let me tell you why, Dad, you know. I don't want to hear why, son. I've told you no. Well, but you're just wrong, okay? I might have even said some things a little nastier than that, you know. Just total disregard for my parents, for who they are. Total disrespect for, for things. I mean, I just got to a place where in my life, they just didn't make sense. They just weren't as smart as I was. As I was growing up, as I was maturing, if you can even use this word, as a young adult in my 20s and my 30s, and even with other friends that were going sort of in the same station of life that I was in, oftentimes when we heard, we heard the, the elders speak, or you know, we might call the, the old fogies you know, of the day, we would hear the older people talk, and, and we just looked at their... We, sometimes we would just even mock their, their ideas because they just seemed so ridiculous. We, we, we listened to their ideas, and they just seemed so old-fashioned. And maybe some of the ideas were old-fashioned. Maybe some of the ideas were old-fashioned. But the, the reality is, is that too often the younger generation had no respect for what the older people were saying. And so one of the things that we see in Scripture is God is instructing the children to honor their mother and their father to respect them, to bring respect. We see this actually all through Scripture, in fact. This idea of respecting those who are older. Now listen, here's what the Scripture doesn't do. It doesn't challenge us to respect those who are smarter. It just says to respect those who are older, who are our elders. And so we see this throughout Scripture. In Leviticus 19.32, I love how the Scripture points this out. Show respect to the aged. Honor the presence of an elder. Fear your God, I am God. And so here we see the, the commandment, the, the instruction, the challenge to, to always honor those who are older. You know, they might, you might just learn something from them is what the Bible seems to be teaching us. And then in 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, it says this, Never speak harshly to older men, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brother. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. And so here we see again, and over and over throughout Scripture, it teaches us to respect those who are older and possibly even wiser. And so a great lesson to learn, to teach our children to obey and to teach them to respect. Here's the third thing that we see here. We must teach our children, and this is hugely important, we must teach our children God's Word. God's Word. Notice what it says here in verse 4. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now this is a great verse to, to talk about for a minute, because I get a lot of questions concerning this one. It starts off and it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And I always get this question, uh, Pastor David, should I not do anything that makes my children angry or makes them mad at me? And the answer is no, that would be ridiculous. It would be impossible anyway, right? <laughs> 
you're going to do something one day, and they're just going to get mad with you. So, so the reality is it's got to mean something else. And what we see as we study the Scripture is that it's not pointing to this reality that we should walk on eggshells as dads and never do anything that's going to bring anger to our children, but rather everything that might possibly bring anger to our children needs to be done so with great purpose toward discipline and instructing them in the Lord. Let me give you an example of what I mean. You know, if you had a small child and they were inching their way over toward the stove, which was still red hot from you cooking supper, and they were reaching out to that thing, would you tell them no or would you hold back because you don't want to make them mad? You'd tell them no. You would instruct them, no, you don't touch that. Don't touch that stove because it's not healthy for them. It's part of your responsibility as the father or the mother of the children to help them, to keep them safe, to protect them, to watch over them, to help them grow up learning that stoves after supper are still hot. And so we don't let our children do these particular things. Another example might be, if our 12-year-old daughter wants to go to a frat party. We just don't do that. It just doesn't happen. Or it shouldn't. And we shouldn't be concerned if she's going to get angry about it. Because we're pushing her instead to live a life of holiness and righteousness. I promise you when she's 34, she'll understand. It may take that long. But she'll understand. And so the passage here, verse 4, it starts off, says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But you see, the, the sentence is not finished there because it says, do not provoke them to anger, but bring them up. Look at this. It says, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Teach them what it means to pursue God and His holiness. So we look at this and we begin to realize as we read this text and so many more, as we see words like bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, we begin to realize that the primary goal of parents is not to just raise our children, but to disciple them. To bring them to an awareness of who Christ Jesus is to bring them to an awareness of the need in their life to pursue righteousness. Paul David Tripp, he wrote a book one time called Age of Opportunity, a, excuse me, a biblical guide to teenagers, to parenting teenagers. And this is what he said here in this book. I love this. He says, parenting is hard, but there are a few things in life that rise to this level of importance. Did you hear that? Parenting is hard, but there are few things in this life that rise to this level of importance. You must parent your children. God has chosen parents to be primary, instru primary instruments in shaping of the human soul. A biblical view teaches that parenting is all about the exposure and change of a child's heart. Our greatest desire as parents or even grandparents or even friends to parents, our greatest desire should be that we are 
shaping their very souls to be followers of Christ Jesus. This is so important for us to understand. And I love this, that he would say in this, in this quote, God has chosen parents to be the primary instruments in the shaping of the human souls. Can I just say this to us all parents here this morning? That our children's ministry and our youth ministry is not the primary instrument in shaping your child's heart. You are. It's your job. We're here to assist. We're here to help. But it's our jobs as parents to bring our children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And so what we do is we, we look at this and we see that Ephesians 6, 1-4 through 4 is not just rules and regulations for children and parents. We see that Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1-4 through 4 is really more God's instruction for us as a family as we carry out our lives living for Jesus and ultimately desiring to bring in glory to His name. This is about the family unit. This is about the family coming together and being unified behind Christ. This is about the family coming together, pursuing Jesus together, pursuing God together, and ultimately glorifying God together. We as parents are to be catalysts for change in our children's life and in our grandchildren's life. Now, here's the thing. It's not easy. Can I get an amen? It's not easy. I understand that. I understand that. I look at these things. Teach your children to obey. Man, we had our struggles there raising our children. If my girls were here right now, they'd say, Dad, you know. But we did. We had struggles there. It's not easy. It's, uh, teaching children to obey, teaching them to a respect. It, it's not easy. It's, it, in fact, it's one of the hardest things. I can't tell you how many parents I talk to that struggle with whether or not they're doing a good job with their children. It's a hard thing to, to raise children and to, to, to carry out these things that we see in God's Word, to, to, to hopefully teach them to, to teach God's Word. To, to read God's Word, and not just read and memorize Scripture, but have a passion for God's Word. To where they would want to, and with their own lives, to, to pursue the things of God, to pursue the discipline of, of Bible study and journaling and things like that, reading and, and studying Scripture. This is not easy to do. This morning, in the time that we have left, I want to share a little bit of of what Linnell and I went through raising our two children. It was, it was quite a while ago, but I hadn't forgotten it. We by no means are perfect. In fact, we made a lot of mistakes raising our children. We would be the first to tell you that. But these are a few things that we did, and maybe this might help you as you raise your children. I want to I offer to you four things that we, that we, with great intentionality, tried to incorporate into our raising of our children, the first one is this, that we tried very desperately to display love through gentleness. To display love through gentleness. You see, I had a problem when our children were really small. I had this problem, and, and, and what my routine was is basically to come home and bring all my frustrations of work home with me. And so my first 
encounter with my children after work, I often resembled a grizzly bear rather than a loving dad. You know, I'd run in there and, and I'd have kids who ran to me, daddy, daddy, so excited that I'm home. And I said, not now, kids, I'm, I'm exhausted. And this was my problem. And what I began to realize is that I wasn't loving my children through gentleness. I wasn't being the, the loving dad that I, I needed to be in the life of my kids to, to where it came to the point where I could literally look at my children and just say, stop that, and they'd start crying. And it scared me to death because I was the scary dad rather than the loving dad. And so there had to be change in my life. And I, I remember just making a shift in my life to where I was committed to showing, to displaying love through my gentleness with my two girls. I often wondered if it would be different with guys, but I don't think it is. With a little boy instead of two little girls, you know, I just often imagine I could say, boy, get up from there, quit your crying, you know. But, uh, but with girls, you got to, you know, they got dresses and bows on, and you got to be careful, right? Even though they may have syrup all over it, you got to be gentle, you know. They'll burst into tears at a drop of a hat, you know. So I had to display love through gentleness. Here's another thing that we, we started doing. We had to practice grace and discipline. We had to practice grace and discipline. You know, the thing that's really amazing to me about Jesus is one of his greatest attributes is grace. How many of you are thankful for the Lord's grace and forgiveness in your life today? The mercy that he bestows on your life. Well, let me ask you this. How many of you are thankful for his discipline in your life? Amen. Nobody likes correction. But you know, sometimes God just needs to correct us and he has a way of discipline us. You know, one of the things that we had to learn early on is that there were times in our life where we could show grace and then there were times in our life when we had to exhibit or to discipline our children. I remember one day we were coming home from church of all places. We were all dressed up in our Sunday clothes, you know, our Sunday attire. And we were on our way home and I don't even remember what Rebecca was doing, but she was being very disobedient in the back seat in her little car seat. She was only probably about four years old, but she was... She was being a wicked little four-year-old, if you know what I'm talking about. And I remember just sort of adjusting the mirror. That's what dads do at first. You know, they, they take it and they just sort of point it at the kid. And I remember doing that and I said, I said, Rebecca, you need to behave. Well, she didn't listen. She kept on going, right? So after a while, I'm getting a little more impatient and I look at her again and I'm, I got my eye on her. I said, Rebecca, now I'm pointing at the mirror, you know. I got to drive, but I'm pointing at that mirror. I said, Rebecca... You know, you're not going to like this, how this ends if you keep that up. I mean, you know, you keep this up, you're going to get in trouble. She just kept on with whatever it was she was doing. And so finally I said, Rebecca, if you don't stop that, when we get to the house, you're going to get a spanking, young lady. And she said to me, no, I won't, because you'll forget. <laughs> you see... That was the day I realized that my daughter thought all those times that I was showing her grace, that she thought I was forgetting all these things she had done. And so it was a lesson for her today, because when she said, no, you won't, by the time we get home, you will forget, it was a time for me to say, well, then let's take care of it now. We pulled off the side of the road, and we did what? I mean, we did business right there. It was a beautiful sunny day with flowers in the field. And Rebecca learned a lesson 
of discipline. There's a time for grace, and there's a time for discipline. And so patience, love, I mean, excuse me, display love with gentleness and practice grace with discipline. Here's another one, and this one's huge, parents. Here's another thing that we had to learn. To trust a sovereign God through patience. You know, raising our children, we thought they would never learn what we were trying to teach them. We just never, we were just like, what's wrong with our kids? (laughs) Any parents ever? No, don't raise your hand. (laughs) Your child may be here with you, you know. But you, you just like, what is going on? They get to be teenagers, and it's like, I'm, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit. It's just not working. You know, and, and somewhere along the way, you turn to God, and you say, God, I can't do this. And you know what? That's the first reality that you've probably spoken to God, because you can't change their hearts. God can. And we have to come to a place sometimes where we just realize that that a sovereign God is going to have to take over. We've taught them everything we know. And sometimes, as parents, we just have to trust God through patience. One of the most greatest blessings concerning my two daughters in life was one day I came home. We had just planted the church, Cross Point, and, uh, and I came home after a busy day, and I remember walking in, and Linnell said, Supper's ready. Do you mind telling the kids uh, that we're wash up and and get ready so I walked back to the to the room and I went to Rebecca's room first her door was shut and I knocked on the door and I said hey Rebecca she said yeah come in and I opened the door and she was sitting on the bed with her Bible in one hand and her journal in the other you know what was so powerful about that moment for me her mom didn't tell her go in there and read your Bible Her dad, being a church planter, didn't say, listen, when I come home from work, I'd really like to see you reading your Bible. She just was reading her Bible. And I said, supper's ready. She said, okay. I said, wash up. She said, okay. Dad, why are you crying? I said, this is beautiful. It's beautiful. I love the fact that you're you're studying God. You're being silly. Close the door. You know? Enough is enough. Don't push it, you know. Just, just run with it. It was, it was beautiful. You, all these lessons you taught them about God and pursuing Him and, and to realize that she's studying God's Word all on her own. Nobody is making her. This is the desire of her heart. It was just so refreshing for a dad. I run in the kitchen, hun, <laughs> forget supper. Just let her keep reading, you know. She's learning. I think she's learned how to deal with crazy parents. Something like that. Another great day in my life was after Marley had, had moved away and gone to Atlanta. She had moved to Atlanta. And, and you know, when your kids move off and go to college, it's just scary. I know that we got a lot of college students who are from other places. And believe you me, your parents worry desperately about you. But I remember one day she had been gone for about a year and and, and me and Linnell, we're praying for them all the time. We hadn't really heard much out of them, you know. And, you know, every now and then we'd call. We try not to be the pressing parent, like, where are you going to church? Uh, give me the name of your pastor. And, uh, you know, we try not to be very pressing. You know, we try to let them live their life. But I remember one day Marley called me. She said, hey, Dad, 
I want to tell you something. You know this ministry I've been a part of here up here? And I said, no, I wasn't, I wasn't aware. I'm glad. I'm, thank God. Praise God. You know, hallelujah. But she said, yeah, I've been a part of this ministry. Well, they, they've asked me to take a leadership position. And, and, and so anyway, I, I just uh, I accepted. And I'm going to start doing a Bible study. And I'm, I'm leading. I'm a little bit anxious. And I, I, Dad, I just, I just love it if next time we get together that you just show me a little bit about leadership and teaching a Bible study. And I'm like... <laughs> You know, it's like, it's beautiful. You know, sometimes you just got to trust God with the results. Amen. It's just hard. It's hard. And as much and desperately as we want to, you just can't change the heart. You can just do what God's called you to do. And that is teach them, instruct them on the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Here's the last thing. I'm done. You know, 15 minutes ago, that thing said I had 10 minutes to go. It still says I have 10 minutes to go. I don't understand that. That's the sovereignty of God. I've got y'all for 10 more minutes. Parents. Grandparents. Singles hoping to be married and have children one day. Here's the fourth thing we started doing to raise our children, we started praying for them. Pray to God for your children. You know, I've, I've heard that oftentimes the reason people don't pray is they don't think it works. And most of the time when you talk to people and you ask them if they're praying, well, there's my cue. <laughs> most time when you ask them if they're, if they're praying, they say, yeah, I started yesterday, you know. Pray for your children. Pray for your children every single day. It's not easy. Pray for wisdom. Pray for your marriage. Pray for your family. Pray for your children. Pray for your life. Turn to an almighty, holy, and righteous God and seek wisdom from Him. For heaven's sakes, church, let us be people who pray for our children. Pray for our families. You want a stronger marriage? Well, then you pray. You want a stronger family? You pray. You want a stronger relationship with your children? You pray for their very souls. You pray for God to interact in their life. You pray for God to draw them near unto Himself. And you too, you pray. And you seek God. Because my friends, Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. In just a moment, I'm going to close with a word of prayer. And I hope that in these last moments, as we close this service out, at a time when we would typically spend time just praying the last song, moving out, picking up our kids and going, I pray that every one of us will respond in prayer praying for our children before we go pick them up from the other room. Pray for our children as we prepare to take them out to lunch today or whatever it is that we're going to do. Pray for our children. If you don't have children, pray for somebody else's child. Pray for the parents in your life that you know. Let us as a church be people of prayer. Let us as a church be people who turn to God because what we desire 
to stronger relationships, stronger marriages, and stronger families in our life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for all that you are. Lord, we love you so much. And Lord, we, we acknowledge today that we desperately need you. When it comes to raising our children, God, we go through some of the most difficult situations we've ever faced. Father, it's challenging because the world wants to teach our children something contradictory to what we're trying to teach them. Lord, it's hard because sometimes the world seems to have more of an influence on them than we do as parents. God, help us to have stronger relationships. Help us to have stronger marriages. Help us to have stronger families. God, give us wisdom when it comes to leading our children. Give us wisdom as it relates to, to living our life in such a way that with our marriages and our families, we are constantly bringing glory to you. Lord, we love you. And now we respond to you. Our pastors are down front. The altar is open. God, we pray that this would be a time where we turn to you in response. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.